Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for October 9th is Matthew 12, verses 1 through 21, Mark 3, and Luke 6. When the scribes accused Jesus and his disciples of breaking the Sabbath for walking through the fields of grain, rubbing the heads together so they could have something to eat, Matthew 12 includes an additional quote from Jesus that's not added in Mark chapter 2. Jesus says, You wouldn't condemn the innocent if you knew what it means that I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He's quoting Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. And that word mercy can be translated kindness, and it really refers to the way people treat one another. We need to treat other people the way we ourselves want to be treated. It's the golden rule. The law and the prophets are summed up in these two things, love God and love people. Religious people don't get that. They say they do, they think they do, but they really don't get it. Instead of condemning the innocent, Jesus says, stop and think and take an account of what it really means when God says, I would prefer that you were kind to one another. It is better to be kind to one another, to show mercy, to give grace, than it is to come to the temple and fulfill the law by offering sacrifices. Religious people condemn the innocent because they think they understand God, they think they represent Him, they think that they need to act as God's advocate, convicting people of their sin. What they don't understand is that is the role of the Holy Spirit. The church does not exist to convict the world of its sin. Even Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world in John 3.17. I came to show them God's love. Friends, religious people think a lot of things, but they're wrong. Luke's account reinforces this point, and actually Matthew 12 does as well, by going into another example, the account of the man with the shriveled hand. The word shriveled there in both accounts, and maybe your Bible says withered, the literal translation would be dry. A man with a dry hand. Picture a dry stream bed where the land is cracked, it's parched, but when the water comes, when the rain falls, the land becomes soft and usable. This man's hand was shriveled or withered because it was dry. In other words, there was no life in it. It was not useful. The scribes and the Pharisees were watching Jesus to see if he would dare to bring life to this dry part of a man's body that could not be used. It didn't function. God wants to bring life to the parts of the body that do not function. And the way he does it or when he does it should not be something that offends us. Let's be more concerned with the well-being of those around us than we are with trying to maintain the status quo or with trying to legislate morality. 
chances are our version of morality is not the same as God's. Let's cover Matthew 12, 15, and 16, when Jesus became aware that the scribes and the Pharisees were seeking ways to kill him, he withdrew, and yet large crowds were following him, and he healed them all. And in verse 16, he warned them not to make him known. Jesus was about ministry. He was not about celebrity. Over and over again in the Gospels, We are seeing Jesus saying, don't tell anybody who healed you. He wasn't trying to make a name for himself. This was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. Here is my servant whom I've chosen. I will place my spirit upon him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not argue or shout. No one will hear his voice. He will not break a bruised reed. He will not put out a smoldering wick. In other words, he didn't come to finish off what had already been started. For those who were struggling, he didn't come to put an end to their plight. To those who were barely hanging on, he didn't come to make them finally give in or give up. He led justice to victory. Then the nations will put their hope in his name. That last verse could also be translated until he established justice in the earth and for his law, the coastlands shall wait. We wait for his law to be fulfilled. We don't fight against it. The law is to love God and to love people, not to look for reasons to condemn them. They were literally looking for reasons to condemn Jesus. They were watching him. And then they brought to him this man with the withered hand and asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They were already offended by the fact that he was healing people on the Sabbath. They're bringing it to a point. They're asking for confrontation. That's what religious people do. If you're following the law of Yahweh, you are not out looking for a fight. If you are looking for a fight, if you're looking for confrontation, if you're looking for an argument, you are missing the point and you're walking in religion. Let's not be like that, keyboard warriors. Let's not always be on the lookout for somebody we disagree with so that we can try to convince them how wrong they are. That is a religious spirit that those people partner with. Let's not make that mistake. That's not how God functions. That's not how the kingdom of God advances. In Luke 6, we see the calling of the 12 apostles. It says in verse 12 that he went out, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. And then he appointed these 12 men. He chose them of of the men who were already following him. And he knew one of them would betray him. How important was it that he got away to pray? That he got away from all of the distractions of being around people, of hearing so many voices. He would go to a solitude He would go to a solitary place in order to only be able to hear the voice of God. And everywhere he went, people were pressing in on him, almost crushing him because power was always coming out of him at this point. 
Verse 18 says they came to him to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out of him and healing them all. And then we transition into this Sermon on the Mount in Luke's account of the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when you're poor because the kingdom of God is yours. Spiritual poverty, not feeling as though we have it all figured out. Being humble is when we really enter in. If you're hungry for God's word, you'll be filled. If you mourn now, you'll be comforted. When people put you down and exclude you and blacklist you because of your faith, because of your testimony, rejoice because you'll have fellowship with me, Jesus said. Your reward in heaven is great. And it's not in heaven in the future, it's in heaven now. Love your enemies. Treat people the way you want to be treated. And don't judge. You can inspect fruit, but do it rightly. Before you go and condemn somebody else, are you guilty of the same sin? Before you go and try to take the speck out of somebody else's eye, do you have a two by four in your own eye? When you complain about somebody interrupting you, did you just interrupt them a moment before? When it comes to inspecting fruit, Jesus said a good tree puts out good fruit. A bad tree puts out bad fruit. In other words, what is the impact of your life and of your ministry What is the impact of your faith? Is it helping other people? I mean, is it really helping them? We don't want to make people feel comfortable in their sin. We don't want to make people feel good for the sake of feeling good. But are people growing spiritually as a result of being around you, of listening to you? What is the impact that you're having on the kingdom of heaven with your life? There are two foundations. A wise man hears the word and applies it, and he'll be on the firm foundation. And when the cares of this world, when trial comes, the wise man will stand. But the one who hears the word and doesn't act on it is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And when the waves come crashing in on it, The house falls, and the man has nothing to show for his efforts. The only difference is action. The only difference between these two men is action. They both hear it. They both come to Jesus. They both hear his words. Only one of them acts on it. Only one of them takes action. Only one of them is moved to do something about it. Friends, what are you doing about it? How are the words of God changing you and motivating you to action? That's all that really matters. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.